Good morrow. Good morrow, scholars. Good morrow, scholarlies. That's what I would say if I was a professor. I would walk in the room and I would say, Good morrow, scholars. And they'd be like, Oh, cool, our professor's British. And I'd be like, No, I'm not. Now you're disappointed. <laughs> yeah, because then I'd be teaching them about life. I'd be like, Yeah, there's going to be a lot more disappointment where that came from, bitches, scholars. And I'm deceitful. And so are people in the real world. That's what they got to be teaching in school. They got to be deceiving people. I don't know. It's an idea. So it's good. It's good to be here in front of the microphone alone in my kitchen. No one's home. It's great. I'm very happy no one's home. I hate doing these when people are home because I know that they think that I'm stupid, you know, and I don't appreciate it. And maybe they, they probably don't. But I'll just make, I'll do that in my head. My brain will be like, they think you're stupid. And I'll be like, shut up, brain. Leave me alone. Leave me alone. Okay, so, um, yo, shout out to Steve. Stevie, Stevie B. His last name is Ortiz, but I call him Stevie B. Why don't you play, let's do the intro song. She put the so that's great steve um makes this so much better and he's terrific and just maybe i'll do a little he could do a little shout out to steve so um if we like, if we were at a comedy show, I'd be like, "Clap it up for your wait waiting staff. Clap it up for your bartender. Oh, clap it up for Steve. Make some fucking noise for Steve. That's what I would do. Okay, Steve, for you, man. I would do it for you. I had a show last night. Um, shout out to Garrett, Garrett Nigren, Sticks and Stones. It was terrific. Everyone did really well. I had a lot of fun." Who was on it? It was me. Dan Polzello was on it. This girl, Jess, I'm not sure what her last name is. It's B-Slime, a G5, nigga. Um, and Nick Johnson, Nikki, Nikki J, Nikki J-O, and Angela, Angela Sharp. Her last name's Sharp, I think, right? Oh, God. It was a lot of fun, and the crowd was great. I wasn't, I wasn't sure what the turnout was going to be, and there was probably like, 60 or 70 people it was nice because i have been doing you know i think like the last three or four shows i did there was like not even that many people combined i don't even think there were 70 people it was just some some rough nights but it happens but last night that was what i was talking about and i did like i did like 17 minutes that was the longest i'd done in a while and it was really great and i had a lot of fun and i tried to um make it a little paint a little narrative i thought of an idea that was able to tie some jokes together that hadn't been tied together before and it was very easy it's pretty easy to make segues between jokes like you could say anything and link two jokes together you could do a joke about bananas and just i don't know and then just be like and you know you know, I knew a guy that would eat bananas all the time. And let me tell you about him. And boom. Oh, you just segued. But maybe that guy didn't even eat bananas. Maybe you made the whole thing up. Maybe that guy doesn't exist. Maybe. 
bananas look like penises. Bananas are very phallic. <clears throat> okay, so I think uh, I'll start with this story. And I'm, I'm going to get, I think Steve's going to put some ambiance. He said he wanted to mess around with that. So there will be some ambiance the, to set the tone, to really set the tone. You always got something cooking. So we want, a, we want a tone set. That's what you got to do in this biz. It's all about the tone setting. All right, let's begin. Here's a story. Even after, I don't know if I told this story yet. I really hope I didn't read this one yet. Okay. Um, oh, no, no, I did. I did read that. Oh, shit. Okay, hold on one second. Hold on one second. Okay, here's one. <clears throat> I stopped for a breath before cutting the turkey. I wanted to appreciate the moment. Seeing everyone there sitting around the table almost felt like we were a family again. But if we had been a real family, we would have been related. I didn't even know these people. All of a sudden, it hit me like a ton of bricks. I had been on a wild peyote trip for the past six days and I just snapped out of it. So I guess I gathered all these people around the table to eat turkey. Again, I don't know any of these people. I'll just have to finesse my way out of this. It's not even Thanksgiving, it's August. Why did all of these strangers agree to come to my house? Ah, shit, no, wait a second. This is someone else's house, and they are not strangers, they are a family. I must have broken in while I was still tripping on peyote. Then I grabbed a knife, and now they are all silently staring at me, crippled in fear. Looking at the decor, it probably is actually Thanksgiving, on second thought. So I guess that peyote trip was like four months long. Time flies when you're tripping on one of the most intense hallucinogens known to man. Okay, so I'll just cut the turkey, right? Act natural. As I cut the turkey, I notice that it's filled with delicious stuffing. This is the best Thanksgiving ever. See, it had a happy ending. I wonder what happened with that family. I wonder if they just let him cut the turkey and... Maybe maybe they let him eat with them. That would have been nice. So don't do peyote, I guess. Don't do drugs. Maybe uh, maybe I'll find one more story and then I want to talk about something. And I just want to point out a lot of these have funerals involved. The writing prompts. That's not me. I don't want this many funerals in my stories, but the writing prompt maker. They just weren't terribly creative. I just, this book, I wish it said who made the prompts. I wish that they had credited themselves because I just want to shit on that person. <clears throat> Let's see, who is it? There's no author. There's no printed in China. Those damn Chinamen. Those gosh darn Chinamen. Okay, I'm going to read the story now. After the funeral, I spent the next few days in the attic, reading letters my mother had written him in the years before they were married. He had never been the sentimental type, so I was surprised to find a whole box of them, carefully bundled. Even more surprising was how big they were. I mean, these were fucking monster-sized dildos. Absolutely huge. 
And these were dildos from all different dildo eras. There were wooden dildos, silicon dildos. I mean, shit, there was even a cement dildo. I think it was an experimental model that never went into production. It was very heavy. All of a sudden, it dawned upon me, my father was the inventor of the dildo. All of these realizations came rushing into my head. Him and my mother had always had such a good relationship. I always wondered why that was. I would ask him, I would say, Dad, how do you and Mom have such a good relationship? And he would always say, well, sweetheart, I invented the dildo, and your mother frequently pleasures herself with my invention. I guess I just forgot that he told me that. I mean, he told me that so many times. But in my defense, I have pretty severe brain damage ever since that cement dildo fell off a shelf directly on my head. I mean, really, Dad? Cement dildo? Why did you think that was a good idea? I mean, for Pete's sake. Pete is my brother. His brain was also damaged by the cement dildo. And I call that one cement dildo. For obvious reasons. I th I like that one a lot. I, I kind of just dug that one up. That was on a random page. I forgot about that one. But I actually like... I think that had a good narrative flow to it. And I think um, you connect with the characters and... There's an interesting backstory. I like what I did. I like what I did in that page. I like what I did. I like it a lot. I like it a lot. Nobody can do it like me. Nobody. Nobody can do it like me. Honestly. Um, I don't want to... I don't know. I'm not talking about the fucking Kavanaugh thing. There's no way you will not catch me. No. Mm -mm. Nope. That's uh, any Anything you say, you, lo you lose half of the people. Anything you say. So I would lose two whole listeners, yeah, half of the listeners. I would lose two. Okay. There was just one more thing. And I just wanted to talk about it because I'm also like trying to formulate this into a, into a joke somehow or just like a longer bit. <clears throat> but it's based on a true story. And it's like you guys play video games. Some of you. Some of you don't. But. Anyone who knows anything about video games knows what teabagging is. And basically in shooting games, there's like a crouch mechanism where you can crouch down. You can get like your player will get lower. Usually it serves a purpose like they can't hear you or they can't see you on the radar. But obviously that's not why people use it. People use it because they'll kill you. In, in a first-person shooting game, and then they'll run over and and hover above your corpse and repeatedly crouch and stand up and crouch and stand up, thus teabagging your face. And it's, uh, it's demoralizing, and it is a sure sign of disrespect in the gaming community. And everyone knows, you know, you shouldn't be teabagging unless the person deserves it. And you don't want to be there are so many rules with teabagging. It's like if you, okay, if you're camping, like if you're just sitting in the corner like a bitch and then I run around the corner and you shoot me, there is no way you're teabagging me. Hell no. Completely against teabagging etiquette. You cannot do that. But if, if I'm camping and you run around the corner and I try to kill you, but you kill me and I was being a camping bitch, you can teabag me. And that would be completely all right. That's a totally acceptable teabag. I would even probably be, as the person getting teabag, would be like, you know what? I kind of deserve that. And it might even be, um, 
it might even be like a deterrent to doing it in the future because you're just like you're waiting to respond and you just see your body getting teabagged and you're like, wow, I really got to rethink. I really got to rethink some of my strategies here. So this is just a story, true story, my greatest teabag of my life. And uh, it's like a hero's journey, you know. So I was playing Battlefield 1. And in Battlefield 1, there's this vehicle. It's called the artillery truck. And the problem with the artillery truck is you can shoot it super far. It shoots like a bomb. And you can shoot from really far away. And people will abuse that. So they'll be really far away from the action. And they'll just be an ultimate bitch shooting from so far away. Like worse than a sniper even because they're shooting bombs. And you, you get fucked up. And, uh, and I'm like, I got a reputation on Battlefield 1. I'm like the tank buster, bro. I always do the assault class, and I just fuck tanks up. I throw some dynamite on them, and I blow those bitches up. Like, fuck off. Get the fuck out of here. You know what I mean? So I was playing on this one map where there's a big area that you're not allowed to go in. It's like each team has an area that the other team can't go in, and that's to prevent, um, like, spawn camping. If you don't know what that is, it's like there's an area on the map where after you die, when you come back to life, that's where you'll land on the map. If there's no, if the other team's allowed in there, then they can just, like, as soon as you respawn, as soon as you come back to life, they could just, boom, they could just kill you right there. It wouldn't be fair at all. The problem is, this dude, he had an artillery truck in the area that you're not allowed in. That's such bullshit. He was killing people. He was killing people from the artillery truck. You're not even allowed to kill him. You couldn't even kill him. You couldn't get near him. You know what I mean? He was in the forbidden zone. If you go in the forbidden zone, you get 10 seconds to get out of the forbidden zone or you die. Okay? The stakes are high. So he's just being the biggest bitch I've ever seen ever on this video game. So I'm mad from the start. But here's what happens. In Battlefield, when you get killed, it zooms in on the person that killed you. There are some games where you'll just see your dead body. There are other games where it'll show you your killer, right? And Battlefield is one of those games. You get killed by someone and then the game is like, here's the guy. Here's the one that did it. And here's what happened. I get shot by this artillery truck. I get blown up. It zooms in on my killer. This is what he does. He gets out of the artillery truck and starts teabagging. Oh my God. The rage, the rage that filled my soul in that moment. I've never, I wanted, I, I, I would have killed him in real life. You know what I mean? It, it wasn't a game anymore. It wasn't a game. He just did the ultimate disrespect. He's in the forbidden zone, shooting from far away like a bitch, and he just teabagged me? Me? And I'm out there, I'm out in the field. I'm out in the field of battle, the battlefield. And I'm trying to be an honorable, an honorable participant in, in this event, in this, in this warlike simulation. And he is just, oh my goodness. So I, all bets are off. I'm like, this guy is mine. This guy, this dude's reign of terror will end. 
And here was the part that was making me super mad as well. He was, he was like 30 and 0. Okay, like he had 30 kills and zero deaths. Whenever I see someone on the other team and they have zero deaths, I want to spoil their game. Because you shouldn't have zero deaths in a shooting game. I mean, if you're like, you know, if you get like 50 kills and 10 deaths, that's amazing. That's a really good game. But zero deaths, that means like by default, you're playing like a bitch. And you, you should get at least one. But this guy is in the forbidden zone the whole game. No one's been able to get to him. So he's got that zero next to his name. And I was like, I will be the one. I will kill this guy. And so I start trying all a bunch of different things. But because he's so far back, it's really hard for me to get there. It's hard for me to get to him because his whole team is there. Right. So I'm having the worst game ever now. And and the game just keeps going on. And I can't get close enough to him. And he's also far back. So I knew if, if I went, if I got there, the 10 seconds would have ran out, you know? And I wouldn't have been able to get to him even. I would die before I got to him. So, so I kind of waited. And at this point, he has killed me many more times. He knows I'm coming for him. And he keeps teabagging. He keeps doing it every time he kills me. He keeps teabagging. And I'm just like... I'm no longer paying attention to anyone else in the game. I'm just trying to get to this guy repeatedly. Every time I respawn, I'm gunning for him. I'm just trying to run over to his area, trying to sneak in there, get past any enemies. Now we're close to the end of the game and I have not had much success getting to him, but I finally made a breakthrough and he made a fatal mistake. He got too close. He got too close to the border of the forbidden zone and the and the unforbidden zone, the battlefield, right? He was on the precipice. And I knew this was my opportunity. This was my opportunity to strike. And so I made my way. And now I'm laying down, right? He can't see me. Oh, this is also just a quick note. I don't wanna interrupt the flow, but just a quick note. When you're shooting from a far distance in that artillery truck, you don't see what's in front of you. Basically, you're seeing the map, you're seeing a picture of the map, and then you get to decide where you want the bombs to fall. So he can't see me. And then after he shoots the bombs, then he can see what's going on, but then he'd probably go back to shooting more bombs so he'd be seeing that map. I know I'm not doing a great job of describing that, but the important part is that he can only see what's in front of him like half the time. And so I knew he didn't see me because I was kind of laying there and I was just like, all right, let's fucking do this. And I waited, he shot a rocket, and I waited a second, and I knew that he wasn't looking, he was looking at the map at this moment, because he just shot a rocket, so now he was aiming a new one. And so I took out the dynamite, and I ran. And now I'm in the forbidden zone. 10 seconds appears. I have 10 seconds, I'm on the clock, okay? I run up to the artillery truck, and I jump on top of the artillery truck. You can do that. I jump on top. He still doesn't know I'm there. There's five seconds left now. I throw down dynamite, three sticks of dynamite on top of his vehicle. And now there's like, well, okay, there was probably like seven seconds I threw him down. And now I had him. It's over, dude. That's all the dynamite you need to blow up that truck. So I just started teabagging the top of the truck. And at a certain point, he shot off another rocket, it doesn't affect me. And now he sees me and he starts to drive. 
because he wants to drive away and maybe get out of it. No, too late, motherfucker. Boom! I blew him up with the dynamite. And then I went and looked at the scoreboard. He was 58 and 1. And I was the one. I was the one. I was a fucking hero. Greatest, greatest video game moment of my life. Greatest teabag maybe ever. That was maybe the greatest. That was just, that was justice. That was the most just, the most justified teabag of all time. And I, I just did, I was just thinking about my guys, you know? I was just thinking about my teammates and, and the, the people who helped me along the way. And I was just thinking about them. And I knew I had to do it for them, not just for me, but for them. There's nobody bigger or better at the military than I am. <sighs> so, so that's the story. And that's really all I wanted to do today. So uh, I hope you have a have a have a good day. And um, yeah, yeah, fade out, fade out with music now. Ooh, sh fading, 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 fading. The end. <laughs>